Would you call yourself a socialist? Uh, no. You've never told a lie in politics? No, no. See, somebody sent me a video actually last Friday and it had you talking at the Socialist Community oh, Political right. Court. Yes, yes. And you mentioned the word comrade uh, about four times in a minute. What was that about? It was a rally and I would have been about 25 years old. Comrade, 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 comrade. I'm pleased to announce that frontline police response staff uh, will uh, move to routine carriage of taser. This important change is about enhancing the safety of New Zealand communities, police staff and offenders included. It's clear from the substantial research and evidence collated over the last five years that the time is now right for us to take this step and move to routine carriage of taser. For every nine times a taser is presented, it is only discharged once in those nine times. The taser has an extremely low rate of injury, just 1% for all deployments across those five years. Um, you would have noticed that I was aiming here yeah. and here. So we already have the majority of the tasers, but we do have to purchase more to ensure that all of our staff have them. Over and above what we uh, already uh, assigned to this, it will cost uh, about another $600,000 per year. But we're very conscious of, of anything to do with uh, any of our tactical options. And again, it's about weighing the risk and there is always uh, a very small risk, regardless of the tactical option. But the risk around TASER, the evidence shows, is that it is less than other tactical options of injury. Hi, this is Grant Edwards from Liberty NZ, and now let's have a look at the Brad Flutie, Brad Flutie affair that happened this week. I think it was on a Tuesday, I believe, or it might have been a Monday that it happened outside the bottle shop, or inside the bottle shop, Liquorland it was. Um, let's see what the New Zealand Herald have to say about this. Uh, the headline is, Anti-Vaxxer Brad Flutie Tasered by Police in Whangarei. Uh, a prominent anti-vaxxer, which I don't think he would really go under the under the banner of anti-vaxxer, I don't know where that comes from, that's just, uh, that's their tactics. But anyway, let's carry on reading what uh, the New Zealand Herald have to say. A prominent anti-vaxxer was tasered by police and arrested after he refused to wear a mask while shopping, and it was caught on video. Mm, caught by Brad's daughter. Brad Flutie, who once stood for political office under the banner of Social Credit Party, was filmed outside Liquorland in Whangarei's Paramount Plaza after police responded to reports of him abusing staff when abusing, when he tried to shop without a mask. Whangarei Acting Inspector Darren Sullivan said police tried to speak with the man, however, he continued to be aggressive towards them. Well, I didn't see any evidence of that on the video. Police warned the man about his behaviour, but he continued to, quote, act in a hostile manner, unquote. I never saw any evidence of that in the video. So, uh, was arrested, Sullivan said. Police say that Flutie's violent 
quote-unquote resistance meant they had to use a taser to subdue and arrest him. Didn't mention anything about the pepper spray. I wonder why they didn't mention that. News Hub report that Flutie claimed on Telegram that he was pepper sprayed after choosing to leave the shop and then, quote, assaulted by corporate enforcement officers, unquote. The offending enforcement officer claimed to be acting under the office of constable Put, got put on his ass because he kicked me in the nuts by way of excessive force, Flutie said, of his violent struggle with officers. A blue corporate piggy. Hmm. A blue corporate piggy is either going to be fired or apprehended by the lawful. Police confirmed that they are looking to charge Flutie. Yes, I'm sure you are looking to charge Flutie, but I doubt you will. I doubt you will. I think it'll be the other way around. I don't know if I agree with the... Um, if this is true, we'll ask Brad, hopefully we'll ask Brad this evening, a blue corporate piggy. I don't know if I would have used those terms, uh, but there it is. He has. And another one here, News Hub, says anti-vaxxer Brad Flutie tasered, arrested after allegedly refusing to wear a mask, acting aggressively in Whangarei. And here's the video of it. Doesn't really look to me like he's... Oh, well, I see a police officer trying to kick him in the, in the groin. And then Brad and his daughter's chuckling away. Then Brad puts him on the ground. Very good. But it just seems now he's just, he, all he's doing is defending. He's not um, striking out. He's just defending himself from what I can see. And he's telling him to F off, as you would. And then we see a, a plainclothes person um, with a taser. And he has the taser behind his back. Uh, and he's sneaking up towards Brad. And that's a bit dodgy from my, my position is that if you uh, really, you shouldn't really be using a taser in a, he was willfully going up there and didn't want Brad to see that he had the taser and he used the taser to shoot him in the back. Now normally you would warn the offender, say look I'll use this, I don't want to use this but I will use it, if you don't stop I'm going to shoot you. Uh, but he didn't do that, he snuck up behind him with the taser hidden behind his back so that Brad couldn't see it. Naughty. Very naughty. So let's see what News Hub have to say. Anti-vaxxer Brad Flutie tasered. And here it is here. Prominent anti-vaxxer and former political candidate was caught on camera being tasered and arrested in Northland on Monday after allegedly refusing to wear a mask at a liquor store. Former social credit candidate Brad Flutie was filmed outside Wangarei's um, Paramount Plaza, a shopping mall on Monday after visiting Liquorland Tikipanga. Acting Inspector Darren Sullivan from Whangarei uh, Police told News Hub police were responding to a, a disorder incident at the liquor store after a man refused to wear a mask. Hmm. It was reported to police the man was being abusive towards staff and other members of the public. Uh, Inspector Sullivan told News Hub our staff attempted to speak with the man, however, he continued to be aggressive towards them. The store owner asked officers to tell Flutie to leave the premises, but he uh, the store owner. The store owner. Well, I wasn't told that it was the store owner. Brad, I think, will, will tell you that it was the assistant manager. But uh, this is a news hub item, and they're saying that it's the store owner. Asked officers to tell Flutie to leave the premises. Oh, okay. Maybe this is later. But he refused. The man continued to act aggressively, with police warning the man about his behaviour. It didn't seem odd to me. Mind you, we could only see it from when they ended up out on the street. It just seemed like a, a police being extremely aggressive. 
wanting to arrest a man over not wearing a mask. Um, despite his warning, he continued to act in a hostile manner, no, a defensive manner, that's pretty clear, uh, a defensive manner, and I, I would say they say hostile manner, and was subsequently placed under arrest, yes, after being shot twice and pepper sprayed. Hmm. Um, the process of being arrested, the 35-year-old violently resisted police. Well, he didn't, he wasn't violent. He just used self-defence. And it was non-violent self-defence. He used the minimal amount. And he's a big boy. And I'm sure he could look after himself. And I'm sure he could have punched them all out uh, if he wanted to. But he didn't. He was very res he restrained himself, um, but at the same time protecting himself. Um, but they say that in the process of being arrested, the 35-year-old violently resisted police staff ass uh, ass assaulting them. He didn't assault them. Not that I could see. There's no evidence of that. On several occasions... Flutie was eventually tasered and taken into custody. However, however, he wasn't arrested, was he? However, Flutie says he didn't commit a crime and claims he was pepper sprayed as he left the shop on his own volition. He said he was assaulted by corporate enforcement officers and tasered twice. First, one didn't, first, one didn't work, uh, just snap the cables. If uh, this happens to you. Oh, okay. So you just snap the cables and that stops you getting a shock. Well, that's good to know. Thanks, Brad. Um, second one in the back was uh, from an unknown uh, mufti assailant who uh, never identified himself as constable or anything else. Fruity wrote in a post on Telegram. It seems that we have to get Telegram if we want to get to the truth. Um, the offending enforcement officer who claimed he was acting under the office of constable got put on his ass because he kicked me in the nuts by way of excessive force. A blue corporate piggy is either going to be fired or apprehended by the lawful. Oh, that's interesting. Was that a citizen's arrest? We'll have to, we'll have to ask Brad. The four-minute-long video showed two uniformed police officers and a third in plain clothing surrounding Flutie in the mall car park. I'm not under arrest. I've not committed crimes, Flutie tells the officers. He then appears to throw a punch at one officer. Well, it didn't look like that to me. It looked as though he was uh, just defending himself, I have to say. A news hub, I don't know how you got that it appeared that, it appeared that Flutie threw a punch. Did you mention the fact that the police officer kneed him in the uh, groin and also kicked him in the groin? Did you mention that? No, you didn't. I wonder why. Uh, Flutie's arms back to try to... Oh, sorry, here. He then appears to throw a punch at one officer and tries to wrestle the taser off another. An officer kicked him. Yeah, in the nuts. You didn't say that, did you? And the other two cops hold Flutie's arm back to try to get handcuffs on him. Flutie is then kneed in the lower body. Why don't you say? Kneed in the groin. Be truthful. And he tries to get out of the officer's grasp. Well, like, wouldn't you? If you're being kneed in the, in the groin. Uh, in doing so, he kicks one cop to the ground and uh, the person videoing, understood to be his daughter, is heard laughing at this. <laughs> well, it was funny. Three cops can't even take him down. What a disgrace anyway. But what a disgrace taking down someone for not wearing, for assaulting a person for not wearing a mask. Look, all, honestly, News Hub, you are shocking. You really are. Herald, you're just as bad. Much of the dialogue between Flutie and the officers is impossible to hear because most of the video is being filmed from inside a car. However, um, he is heard telling one officer, back off, 
and he then attempts to make a run for it through the car park. As Flutie walks uh, away from the officers, he's tasered in the back. And yes, that, un- that plainclothes officer sneaked up behind him with a taser held behind his own back and then whipped it out and shot him. Now, you would think, like I said before, if you were really didn't want to just inflict pain on someone, but you actually wanted to arrest them with using as least at least force as possible, uh, you would warn him and say, look, stop, stop now, stop in the name of the law. Isn't that what they used to say? Stop in the name of the law, stop or I'll shoot. And, um, and there was no really no reason for him to use that taser to shoot him in the back. He should have just chased him because you only use a taser uh, to when your own safety is put at risk. That's what you use a taser for. You don't shoot... Uh, people running away in the back um, with a taser on a, on a, a um, on a misdemeanor like not wearing a, a face mask in a liquor shop. Good grief. Flutie is a former social credit candidate who is in the past has organised freedom protests against the use of COVID-19 checkpoints. He's also uh, been seen on a QAnon protest in Wellington. Sullivan confirmed police are looking at laying charges over the incident. Well, yes, they said that. They said that about me when I was preaching the gospel in Whangarei. They said they were looking at um, at, at, at laying charges against me, uh, but they weren't. They didn't because they didn't have any charges. They didn't have anything to charge me with. I was just public speaking, and some were offended. They didn't like what I was saying. But that's just the way it is, isn't it, with free speech? Otherwise, it's not free, is it? We don't have speech. We don't have freedom of speech if we can't speak freely. And some people will be offended. That's just the way it is, folks. I'm offended every day. Okay, and then we've got another one here from News Talk. Let's see what News Talk have to say. They say a prominent anti-vaxxer was tasered by police and arrested up. Did they write? Does this one person just write the story and they all just copy it? Seems like it to me. Um, no one's actually interviewed Brad. All they've done is taken um, comments from his uh, Telegram page. Would have been good if they'd phoned him up and talked to him and got his uh, got his view. It seems that the only people that did speak to Brad were Shane Chafin from Revolution News Media and uh, Calvin Alp and Hannah from Counterspin Media. They're the only ones that have spoken to him. Now, I did go into town on Tuesday uh, and I waited for Brad, but he was held up with some other, um, I think he was preparing some legal um, legal papers to serve on the police, And uh, but I, I couldn't wait any longer, but I did wait for a couple of hours, so I, w- I was looking forward to going with him as an observer while he served these papers on the police, but that didn't eventuate. Uh, but never mind, hopefully um, I can come along another time, Brad. Um, so we'll hope to hopefully speak to Brad a little bit later, but let's just finish off uh, what the news uh, what do they call themselves? News Talk ZB, who I used to work for. News Talk ZB. A prominent anti-vaxxer was tasered. We got all that. Um, now, it says here that um, Brad Flutie, who once stood for... Yep, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Wangarei Acting Inspector Darren Sullivan said police tried to speak with the man. They didn't try very well. Not according to Brad. Uh, however, he continued to be aggressive towards them. Well, assertive, I would think, but not aggressive. We know this person. We know Brad Flutie. He's not aggressive. All right. I've actually dealt with him in an adversarial situation where there's things that I don't agree with. Um, perhaps not so much now. Perhaps he's talked me around on a few things. But um, we disagreed, and I think I would be the one that would be more uh, more aggressive than Brad. I think um, in my in my in my written and in my spoken uh, than Brad. He was very. Um, he likes to to calm things down. 
That's what I've noticed about Brad Flutie. Now, it's said that he was tasered and arrested by the police. There's the photo. Police warned the man about his behaviour. What behaviour? What, standing up for his rights? But he continued to act in a hostile manner. So that, so you say. So you say. What, what else would you say, I suppose, when you know that you're in trouble, you're going to, to be uh, probably stood down, buddy, for what you did? Um, so um, he was acting in a hostile manner, so was arrested. No, he wasn't. He was uh, attacked. Um, he was uh, not arrested. He wasn't said, told that he was under arrest. He wasn't read his rights. Um, he was pepper sprayed. He was tasered. And not all the uh, officers, if they are police officers, identified themselves. And they have to identify themselves, especially when they're asked. Police say that Flutie's violent resistance, well, it wasn't violent. I'm saying again, I, I see no evidence of violent resistance. I see a man trying to protect himself from goons. Um, and it said that, it, that they had to use a taser to subdue him. No, no, you used a pepper spray on him first off, didn't you? You, you, you did. You got violent with him. And you escalated things. When you're not supposed to escalate, you're supposed to look after the public. You're supposed to calm things down. You made a big scene, you silly people, you silly police officers. I'm starting to lose faith in you. And what worries me is all the good police are going to be leaving because they're not happy about your mandates. And so all you're going to be left with a bunch of a bunch of goons, people that will follow orders without thinking about the consequences of these of these orders just like the Nazis, just like the German soldiers obeyed Nazi orders that were moral and had them hanging from the gallows at Nuremberg. So be careful. Think about it. Don't even have to use critical thinking. Just think about what you're doing. Same with the shop owners. They need to think about it. The, uh, think about their um, asking people to put on masks, cover up their faces and do things. And the people that are asking us to put on masks are going to be the same ones that tell us we have to have a vaccine passport, are going to be the same ones that are going to be uh, dobbing in their neighbours, rounding up people because they're going to believe the lies from the government saying that we are carrying disease, which is exactly what Hitler convinced the German people that the Jews were carrying disease. Now, with the Jews, people say to me, oh, that's very anti-Semitic. You shouldn't be drawing a, um, a distinction between, there's no, you know, there's no distinction between the um, Holocaust or the Jews and, and, the, and um, Nazi Germany, how they were treated and um, what's happening today. Well, there is. And here it is. I'll tell you why there is. Um, it's worse. And it's, it's actually a warning sign for us because they, the first signs that the Jews were going to be persecuted by the Nazis was not that they were rounded up and put into concentration camps. No. The first sign was that they had laws came out in 1933 restricting them from cafes and restaurants, restricting them from theatres and parks. And so there were over 400, I think they're called Kujuntai laws, correct me on the pronunciation, and these laws um, were the ones that were, were um, uh, upheld by everyday Germans because they were brainwashed by Hitler and his rallies, uh, brainwashed into uh, believing the lies that the Nazi party had put out there through their propaganda um, against the Jewish people, that they were carriers of disease and that they were responsible for the um, uh, financial situation of Germany. And people believed it. People believed the rubbish. They didn't think for themselves. And they started dobbing in their friends. And this is what's happening now. I mean, it happened a year ago in March when people were, were decided, well, I'm just going to go and have a fish. 
and uh, their neighbours, or someone's was a friend of mine, was going for a paddle on his canoe, and the neighbour dobbed him into the police, and the police came round to have a talk to him and said that hey, you're not allowed to go out on your kayak. Do you remember this rubbish? Well, this is how it starts. So these people you need to identify because the ones that are going to enforce COVID um, mask mandates are the ones that will enforce the vaccine. Otherwise, you've got to be vaccinated before you can enter this shop uh, or premises. And they're the same ones that will be rounding you up and reporting you to police and having you put in cattle cars and taken to uh, um, concentration camps. That's coming. If we don't get, If we don't stop this tyranny... That's what's coming. We're going to be rounded up. Unvaccinated people will be rounded up. We're already going to be locked down. The next lockdown is not going to be... Um, Bloomfield mentioned this. The next lockdown will not be a lockdown of everybody. It's going to be... He said there'll be, um, it'll be more nuanced, quote-unquote. More nuanced than that, said Bloomfield last week. And what does that mean? Well, I think I know what it means. I think it means he's going to lock down unvaccinated people and restrict our travel, which is against the Bill of Rights completely against the Bill of Rights, and I think that's what he's going to do. That's what it will happen. And so, and people like me who just decide, you know, well, I'm going to go for a drive and go go take the boat out or something, um, I'll be uh, reported by my neighbour. The police will come around and arrest me, and then I'll be put into a, into a concentration camp. That's what's going to happen if we don't stop these people, these tyr- this tyranny. And um, so people like Brad are doing a great job. I mean, what do you do? You just turn around and put your, tie your hands behind your back and go along with it. Is that the right thing? What message does that give them? What message does it give them if you resist them and defend yourself? And I, I know, never saw any evidence of Brad Flutie um, fighting with the police, throwing punches with the police. I saw him when after he was attacked, after he was kneed in the groin, I saw him kick a police officer away from him in self-defense. I only saw self-defense. And so that's the way he's chosen to do it. And um, all power to you, Brad Flutie. So we hope to speak to him a little bit later on the, on the program. Uh, just getting back to the News Talk ZB, they seem to be quoting News Hub anyway. It says here that um, the offending uh, enforcement officer who claimed to be acting under the office of constable, this is what Brad said, got his, put on his ass because he kicked me in the nuts by way of excessive force. So that's why. There are. Brad just confirmed that. Uh, but I don't know if I like the use of the blue corporate piggy uh, insinuating that the pigs, the uh, police are pigs, which was when I was a boy, that's what the mongrel mob and the Hells Angels used to call the, the police, the pigs. Um, and they even I can even remember in my town when I was young that um, a bikey had a uh, pig's head on the front of his motorcycle. So I don't know if I like that. Also, um, I'm hoping to have John Ansell on to tell us a little bit about uh, why he's a little bit offended with um, Shane Chafin's heading. Uh, bringing in bringing in the um, colonisation into the into the into the mix um, because the one of the officers was from Northern England and also Brad's comments about um, what the, how the Scottish were treated I don't see how that's germane to the conversation and John Ansell may have a question or two to answer um, to ask there and uh, perhaps Brad and Shane might like to you know, justify their use of uh, some of the wording in the report on revolution media. Well, what else have we got in the news? Um, Radio New Zealand, see, they are such an arm of the corporate, uh, of the um, the communists these days. Radio New Zealand News, what have they got to say? Oh, look, there's one of Pinky. My goodness, she looks like Miss Piggy, doesn't she? 
She's a monster. Red traffic light not good enough at stopping transmission, says Susie Wiles. Microbiologist Susie Wiles, really worried. I'm really worried about the government's plan for an Omicron outbreak. Warning the red light traffic setting will not be enough to slow the variant down. That's Susie Wiles. Um, the Whangarei Mayor calls on government to take breakaway councils, Three Waters counter-proposal, seriously. Okay, um, she says, under Three Waters Ministry of Local Government, Nanahania, Nanaya, is it? Oh yeah, Nanaya Mahuta wants to amalgamate the water services to 67 councils into four regional water entities. Proposal, and uh, did, did they mention that 50% owned by uh, some iwi? Um, who, which not all Maori, but some iwi, an iwi. When they say owned by iwi, it doesn't mean all the tribes. This is the language. You have to dig in deep and find out really what what is the, the crux of the matter. So um, the proposal is controversial because it's compulsory, and it compulsory effectively enforcing councils to relinquish ownership of their water pipes and reservoirs, which were bought and paid for by our ancestors. Our forebears bought and paid for this these infrastructures through their rates and taxes. The alternative proposal would wipe the giant inter-regional mega water service entities, WSEs, uh, being proposed to address particular issues with New Zealand drinking water, so they say, uh, wastewater and stormwater in, f- in favour of smaller. Well, we always know that when uh, when things like, like water or um, organisations are, are actually uh, smaller, they are better and the people are served better. But when you amalgamate things into amalgamate um, supply and services into one giant, it never is a good thing for the people. And so they need to scrap this, all right. Whangarei District Council, along with Kaipara Far North District Councils, is among 24 council communities for local democracy. The um, Hapuri, Te Moti Manapuri, that's a C4LD group, um, and it has $60 billion in three water assets representing a million people nationwide. The new group was set up in mid-December, in opposition to the government's Three Waters plan. Mize, this is um, the um, mayor of Whangarei, Cheryl Mai, her comments come ahead of the C4LD next week, um, presenting its alternative proposal in Wellington to a Three Waters working party set up by the government at the start of December. She said, we expect the part, uh, the working party to look at the alternative proposals, uh, see merit in it, and recommend it to the government. She said it's a better model for New Zealand because it's direct accountability and is much closer to consumers, um, closer to local democracy. And I'd agree with that. So that's good, Cheryl Mai, standing up for the local people. Very good. So let's see how that goes. I hope it goes well for them. Um, now, this is very interesting. This is Dr. Bernard Connellan. He says that he's received notification from the Medical Council of New Zealand, which is a tool of the government now, no longer looking after the, after the doctors, but is actually a weapon of the socialist communist, uh, which is really the one thing, isn't it? Every socialist wants to be a communist. Uh, they are a tool of 
um, the medical council, that is, is a tool of the government. So Bernard Conlon says that he's received this notification from the medical council that they intend to suspend him ahead of, of the ahead of the investigation into the various complaints laid against. They suspend you before they've even heard the complaints. Um, so there's a photograph there of the Murapara medical the medical rooms, um, and it says here a complaint was first made against Dr. Conlon after he made public comments questioning informed consent in pregnant women. And oh, I can't believe I'm reading what I'm reading. Oh, like they're going to the complaint was made because he questioned informed consent in pregnant women and in children at a Maori health hui in August. Good grief. Uh, further complaints about Dr. Conlon, uh, his professional conduct, make it sound like he's a pervert or something, like he's a pedophile out the back of the the surgery, doesn't it? That's what that does, professional conduct. Further complaints about Dr. Conlon's professional conduct were made to COVID-19 response minister Chris Hipkins by an unnamed junior doctor. Why is he unnamed? I think that everyone has the right to know who their accusers are. So he needs to be named. And uh, Radio New Zealand, bad on you for not finding out who this person is. I hope, I hope we do find out who this unnamed junior doctor was, if indeed he's even a real person, who was working at the clinic for three months last year. OK, probably just put in there as a spy. The complaints were since, have since been forwarded to the Medical Council. Among the accusations are that he labelled patients' notes of people who have had the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine as becoming magnetic. Well, that's because he's found that to be the case, which Conlon described as baffling. Mm, that's fine. He's, he's observing. He said the words becoming magnetic did appear on one patient's notes, but only because that patient described and demonstrated to him that they were able to stick coins to their stomach six weeks after receiving the Pfizer vaccine and telling him that they were becoming magnetic. I have the less usual trait of believing my patients when they present with uh, unusual symptoms, he said. The patient was able to provide visual evidence that six coins could remain on the patient's torso, which I documented in the patient's notes, that a junior trainee would find such clinical honesty somehow worthy of reporting to the Medical Council is still somewhat baffling to me. However, it is strange, strange times indeed, Dr. Conlon said. He was has also been accused of celebrating when he heard the news that Murupara had the lowest vaccination rates in New Zealand, which was witnessed by the junior doctor who was uh, a dinner guest at his home. Wow. You invite the devil into your house. Invited a wolf into his home. Dr. Conlon has applied for a practice exemption to allow unvaccinated staff to continue to work at the Murapara Medical Centre, as well as himself and partner Dr. Britta uh, Noske, uh, um, being unvaccinated with the Pfizer Biotech vaccine, which is still in experimental stages, no matter what the government tell you. It's not out of its full trials until 2023. Don't let them tell you that it's not. They've been given approval. Yes, it's been given approval, but it's not out of its trials given approval to use on a small group. And Sue Gray had to go to battle to, to on that one and, and won the case, and then the government changed the law. And now he says, this is Conlon, he said that there are three of the practices, receptionist and one nurse, had also opted not to get the vaccine. As employers, 
we value our staff and have reconfigured the surgery to allow ongoing employment for all, while still excluding the non-vaccinated from patients' contact as per the COVID-19 order. I find the jab on your job policy, frankly, repugnant, he said. And we're talking about uh, Dr. Bernard Conlon. I think he's been in Murupara for uh, 30 years. He's loved by the people, great doctor, and um, he's just telling people that they need to um, question what this government is doing. Dr. Collins said he had acquired unpopularity for openly speaking out against mandatory vaccination, and then he had further irritated the Ministry of Health for attempting to import ivermectin, which we know is very, very successful worldwide in treating and in prophylactically treating so-called COVID-19. However, to them, uh, hoping, sorry, he's saying, hoping to them make it, uh, to then make it available for uh, free to my high-risk patients when they are infected with COVID-19, said Colin. The Ministry of Health seems disinterested in, in the success of this approach in countries such as Brazil, India, Mexico and Japan, and would prefer infected patients being given only paracetamol and a pulse oximeter. Uh, very sad indeed when one looks at the amazing success overseas using ivermectin. We have already monitored successfully eight patients with COVID-19 without issue, said Dr. Collin. Dr. Collin has also filed a case in the Rotorua District Court seeking a judicial review of a MedSafe decision to confiscate a consignment of ivermectin he was importing for his patients. Three days after making a legitimate claim against the MedSafe decision to make, uh, take possession of my ivermectin, the Ministry of Health laid a further complaint against me to the Medical Council for unprofessional behaviour. Then, just before Christmas, I received notification from the Medical Council that they intended to suspend me ahead of an investigation into the various complaints from the safety, for the safety of the New Zealand public. Dr. Conlon said he had, this is a 30-year veteran uh, uh, medical doctor in Murupara, 30 years at least. Dr. Conlon said he had submitted his opposition to this proposal on, thir- on Tuesday this week, but held no real hopes that it would be reversed. I plan to appeal at the district court level and hope a more just decision is achieved. That's Bernard Conlon from Murupara, the least vaccinated, the vaccine holdout. They're holding out because they, they're listening to sound advice from their medical doctor. Well done, Bernard Conlon, uh, and well done. Um, and not a bad job, too, I have to say, from Diane McCarthy, who was a local um, Democratic reporter. Democracy, local democracy reporter. Hmm. Okay, not bad. RNZ. Yeah. All right. And so, what else have we got? What else is happening in the news? Nine new COVID nineteen cases, no deaths. Nelson South Island's getting a, a bit of a hammering from the government. The Bluff Oyster Food Festival has been cancelled. That's a bit of a shame. Something fishy going on with that Tonga eruption. These sonic booms and things up over heard overhead. Hey, now look. I want y'all to see this. This white object, I made it go back and forth a few times so y'all can see this. Look, you see it now? Look, now look. It's finna go in, splash, and then it gonna go into the ocean, and not even five seconds later, it's about to explode. See? Now I brought it back so y'all can see it again, just in case you missed it. Now look at this white object. It goes from there to there. From there to there, splash, goes into the ocean, 
and then explodes. See what I'm talking about? So something ain't right. You know, so somebody did it to these folks. Look at that white object. I'm telling y'all, man. Apparently, it's about twice that of Mount St. Helens, which happened in 1980. It's a bit dodgy there. If anyone's got anything to add that can help me on that, let me know. Getting back to the police brutality with uh, Brad Flutie. What what concerns me about police running around um, calling into businesses, trying to arrest people for not wearing a mask, is that there's real crime happening, and that's not being dealt with, and police are being tied up with this rubbish. And it seems to be pretty weird. I just say no. I'll go and find out what's the story. And I, you know, I, I know, I'd just walk in there, what's the story, Brad? Well, they won't serve me without a mask. Well, I'd say, okay. Well, they're saying you abused them. Is that true? No, I just stood up to them that I have a mask exemption and that I can be served, I should say. Uh, but um, this woman, this uh, assistant manager, is making, got it in for me. And, uh, and obviously she's falsely accusing him as well, I think. That's fair to say. Uh, Northland moves to orange. Omicron would mean a quick move to red, according to her nastiness, Jacinda Ardern. Cabinet ministers met yesterday to assess the traffic light setting. And at a press conference, she said that uh, the whole country is now at orange. Oh, lovely. Lovely little traffic lights. Traffic lights stop, go, controlling us. That's what that is. That's the psychology behind it. We're controlling you. We can tell you when you can go, when you can stop, what you can do and what you can't do. We control you. You are our slaves. Ardern speaking from New Plymouth at a Labour Party caucus retreat. You'd need to go to a retreat because the people don't want to hear from you. They don't want you. Many, you've got a lot of, you, I would say you'd be a bit, bit frightened. And when you were up in Waitangi, just, uh, was it yesterday or the day before? Oh boy, you got some fans up there, girl. Just under van. Oh, my mum's going to get arrested. <laughs> They headed her off. Boy, when I got sent that, I couldn't stop laughing. I had to edit a few words out, but it was classic. And it's just so harmless fun. A couple of girls, a couple of Murray girls, just laughing their head off at the stupidity of this government and uh, the way she won't front and the lies. I can see right through her. I can see right through her. She's just a joke and they're having fun. One's a little frightened, the other's pretty ballsy. Uh, I love it. And I, it sounded like Teotinga Rogers was in the background there saying, nah, we do not consent. Nah, poo, we do not consent. Shame on you! How much money did you get paid? 
when you go out in public, I'd say you'd be more hated than Helen Clark. She couldn't even cross the road at one stage there. She was the most hated politician in the country. And I think you're, you're actually, you've trumped her. So well done you. Vaccination rates have continued to increase in Northland. Lie. And now 80, 89% of first dose. Not true. And what about the second dose? Hmm? Second dose. We're on boosters now, lovey. Don't you know? Boosters now. And you're still back talking about your high percentage rates of your first dose. And we, we know that, that even that's not true because you communists use propaganda to get your way. The easing of Auckland boundary over summer, says Ardern, it did not drive an increase in cases. So we believe it's safe for Northland to join the rest of the country at Orange. Ardern said the spread of COVID-19 over summer was limited because of exceptional vaccination rates. Yeah, right. If there was no vaccination rates, there'd be no COVID-19 at all. Because we know from whistleblowers inside hospitals all over the world, I've spoken to, to two of them, that when the, the people are arriving in the hospital with COVID-19, it's written on their report that they've tested positive for it, uh, they are all vaccinated, 90% of them are vaccinated, and they're actually suffering from vaccine injuries. And when they say they've got COVID-19, they're actually vaccine injured, according to one IC. Uh, nurse of nine years in Kentucky. He told me that a few months ago. This is a long time ago. And so really, my belief is, uh, my belief is that um, all these variants are just as a result of the vaccination. Uh, that's what I believe. And I think that I will, I will be proven right in that belief. And I'm not on my own in thinking that. Um, so that's her with her Omicron. She's looking haggard, isn't she? thinking twice about marrying her mind you you marry for love don't you or is it you marry because you're so fully compromised mr clark that if you opened your mouth you would be history you used to do what you're told and the money keeps rolling in what was it 20 million 25 million that's not very much is it to betray a country i'd want more than that um and the defense force uh speak of in the Tonga Relief Operation, New Zealand Defence Force Commander of Joint Forces, Jim Gilmore, speaks about the operational response in Tonga. So I don't think that really concerns us at the moment, but our, our thoughts and prayers do go to the people in Tonga after what's happened to them. Was DARPA involved? I wonder. Um, and then we've got the fellow from, where did he come from? Sort of a John Key clone. Um, national leader Chris Luxon says the government has no plan for tackling Omicron. And decision today show Labour took a month off. That's right, they did. The afternoon, uh, this afternoon, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced Cabinet's decision to move Northland into Orange from midnight tonight. Uh, she said that if Omicron was found to be transmitting in the community beyond border-related cases, all of New Zealand would move to red within 48 hours, which is completely different to what. Um, Ashley Bloomfield said last week he said that we have a more nuanced way of dealing with lockdowns and it certainly won't be a nationwide uh, lockdown of everybody and I think he was hinting at lockdown the, vac the, lockdown the unvaccinated that's what I think he was saying there um, so uh, she also signalled further changes including a graduated system for isolation now what does that mean? what is graduated system for isolation? does it mean does that mean just lock up the unvaccinated? I wonder. Um, and that'll be announced next week. So we can look forward to that uh, after Sunday.
Speaking from Nelson, Luxon said a more rapid antigen tests were needed, more rapid antigen tests, uh, and the government need, no, you need to stop all your testing because that's what's pushing this so-called pandemic. You just quit the testing because you can't tell the difference between a, a virus, a cold, um, you can't tell the difference between COVID-19, Delta, Omicron, or a flu or a cold strain. It can't tell the difference. It shouldn't be used in most countries, many countries rather, it's not being used anymore, PCR testing. Um, so you can talk about things, but it's actually happening on the ground, according to Luxon. We don't have a single extra ICU bed. Um, do you know how many ICU beds there are? ICU beds there are usually, Mr. Luxon. You make it sound like that. You know that that you know there's, there's hardly any ICU beds in every hospital, but they can turn areas of the hospital into ICU very quickly and very easily. You're very uninformed, I think. Um, we have 4.6 million tests less than one per Kiwi, and uh, blah, blah, I'm tired of all this. You just need to stop your testing. That's how you fix it. Hipkins defends nighttime announcement online on MIQ Hold. Now, what is that all about? Now, that came out on the 19th of January, and I missed that. Uh, the MIQ lottery system is put on pause by the government with a statement from the head of the MIQ, Chris, Hip Chris Bunny, I should say. Bunny. Interesting names these people have put into these positions, Chris Bunny, saying an unprecedented number of positive Omicron cases appearing at the border required more rooms to be set aside for them to quarantine. In a media release this afternoon, Hipkins said the pause was temporary and rooms would be released again after Cabinet considers its position, including about a reopening the border. In the meantime, our focus will be on getting booster rates up and immunising as many 5 to 11-year-olds as possible before Omicron takes hold in the community, he said. Well, what will happen is little people will die and a new variant will be formed because of the continual continued immunisation of people. This is wicked, folks. W wickedness in high places. Wickedness. Uh, in the media stand-up this afternoon, Hipkins said the announcement about the delay to MIQ rooms was done via the website only and not sent directly to journalists because the government wanted to get the information out to people as quickly as possible. Um, what? It was done via the website only and not sent directly to journalists. Well, wouldn't you do both? If you wanted to get out to the people as quickly as possible, wouldn't you use the media to help you? Mm. Yes, oh, mm -hmm. I would think so. And so that's a roundup of the news this week. Um, New Zealanders are challenging the government's management. Yeah, we know that of the MIQ. Um, yeah, so it's all just COVID, 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 isn't it? Just COVID, COVID, COVID. Just drives you nuts. We've got some very compromised people in politician uh, in politics at the moment. Act leader David Seymour is one of them. I wonder what he's. Um, I wonder what perversion he's um, guilty of that he shuts his mouth and won't say anything about the vaccination rollout, this genocide. Um, Hipkins, mm, all of them. We know Cindy and her boyfriend are um, up to their eyeballs in crime. So there we are, folks, and uh, so that's the news from Grant Edwards on Liberty NZ, news for the week.
And of course, after 8 o'clock, I hope to be joined by John Ansell, Brad Flutie, Shane Chafin, Liz Lambert, and I'm also hoping that other people will phone in as well and speak to us, talk to us, tell us what your fears are, tell us what you're excited about, whether you think we're in for a good year or a bad year this year in 2022, and um, you have your say. That's what it's all about, isn't it? You're able to do that on our podcast. So after 8 o'clock, the live cast will be open to everybody. Until then. This morning, the Cabinet concluded that because of the extraordinary booster campaign, together with the way the public have responded to the Plan B measures, we can return to Plan A in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. Organisations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. Mr. Speaker, <laughs> Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, from from tomorrow, from tomorrow, we will no longer require face masks in classrooms, and the department and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet, but we will trust the judgment of the British people and no longer criminalise anyone who chooses not to wear one. The Government will also ease restrictions further on visits to care homes, and my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, will set out plans in the coming days. Mr Speaker, as we return to Plan A, the House will know that some measures still remain, including those on self-isolation. In particular, it is still a legal requirement for those who have tested positive for COVID to self-isolate. On Monday, we reduced the isolation period to five full days with two negative tests, and there will soon come a time when we can remove the legal requirement to self-isolate altogether, just as we don't place legal obligations on people to isolate if they have flu. As COVID becomes endemic, we will need to replace legal requirements with advice and guidance, urging people with the virus to be careful and considerate of others. The self-isolation regulations expire on the 24th of March, at which point I very much expect not to renew them. Indeed, were the data to allow, I would like to seek a vote in this House to bring that date forwards. I'm um, mixed views on it because I believe that obviously the pandemic isn't necessarily just over, just suddenly like that. Um, say, for instance, on the tube, definitely think that we should still wear masks and things like that. But I do think we do need to resume some kind of normality, like people do need to be going back to the offices and getting back to work. I think I would keep it in transport and um, crowded places like shops where people have to go. Not sure about um, social gatherings, though, and 
and uh, clubs and things like that. So lift them all, let's get rid of this COVID crack. It's, it's about time we get on with our lives, I think, because uh, the variants are getting weaker and weaker. Uh, we're, becoming, we're all becoming more immune to it, so I don't see a reason why we should just get back to normality and stuff. So. And of course, well, I think we should get back to it, because the whole thing's a crack. The whole thing was just to see how easily it was to brainwash an entire population of the Earth. That's what it was all about. It's just a little trial run to see if we can do it again in the future when we want to cause everyone to have a mark on their right hand and in their forehead. It's coming, folks. Rest assured, you won't make a fool out of the Bible. Do you think that's true? Do you think that's what it's all about? Do you think? And why haven't we heard it on our news? Why haven't we heard John Ansell and Brad Flutie and Shane Chafin? Thank you and welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Why haven't we heard what's happened uh, with the UK? Why isn't Jacinda up there saying we're going to do the same? What do you think, John? Well, we're the international uh, test case for um, globalist communism, whatever whatever is going on, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> apparently, we are the bee's knees as far as um, – and Jacinda is, is – um, is leading the world in in how to run a kindergarten, a gigantic kindergarten, um, most of whom seem to be extremely compliant. Um, it's just it's just it beggars belief what's going on, isn't it? And That's and children have started to die. I I have heard today, hmm. and I can't confirm, but there are the five year olds have begun to die. Good grief! Uh, and uh, of course, that was always going to happen. That's right. Hmm. And uh, and a fourteen year old as well. Um, this is happening, and people are, and, and the the MPs are having a jolly good time. You know, old Boris. I used to. I have to confess, I quite liked Boris. I thought I he would provide, he'd bring entertainment to the political realm. The we didn't have it. wasn't much going on when I said that. He sure used to now. love uh, Winston Churchill, but he's nothing. You know, nothing like him. He he loved him. He idolised him. But yes, he wrote the book. Yeah, but so you know, these weak. people are, are caricatures, and we don't need caricatures. We don't need. Jolly JP people, we need grown-ups, and we don't have any, and 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 they don't have any. They haven't an ethic between them, have they? It's astonishing. No, it is. Um, we've also got um, a fellow from Australia, from Melbourne, actually, South Osman. I don't actually know his first name, but I listen to his podcast quite a lot, and I enjoy it. Um, so I'm hoping to have him on as well. I'll just send him an invite now while I speak. He corrected me on something, uh, and um, so he, he may well correct me on something that I said uh, during my little news roundup. So we'll, we'll find out um, what that was about. Um, Brad, are you there? Can you hear us okay? Hello, Brad. Yeah, loud and, loud and clear. Can you hear me well? Yep, we can hear you fine. And I'm hoping, Shane, you're there, Shane? I am. Can you hear me good? Yep. Yeah, we can hear you good. Yeah, that's great. Um, I was hoping, Brad, that you could just um, fill us in a little bit about some of the details that the media left out. So are you an anti-vaxxer? No, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I mean, the question I didn't I think you were. Is, uh, what do you mean by anti-vaxxer? Um, what, what, what do you precisely define an anti-vaxxer as? Am I against uh, vaccines to the point that I would uh, advocate for their banning? No. Absolutely mm. not. It's just not the, the health angle I'm willing to take for myself. I'm willing to, you know, look at health holistically, mm. a certain amount of personal responsibility for myself without trying to 
influence my beliefs onto other people. Mm. You know, even if you were an anti-vaxxer, what does that mean the others are? They want to be injected <laughs> with an experimental biological agent? It's weird, isn't it? Brad's, anti-taser, Brad's oh. anti-taser, I think, probably. Yeah. Are you a bit gun-shy now, Brad? <laughs> what a terrible uh, thing I don't it like was. Yeah. Go ahead, John. I mean, what a terrible... You're all the news of the week, Brad. I mean, that, that was just absolutely disgusting what happened. I mean... Uh, just, it just. I mean, I thought Carl Bromley. He was, you know, he he got some attention for his the ransacking of his place. But what happened to you? Just illustrated. I, I mean, I had a cop visit me after the other two that visited me. Um, the same cop visited me who visited me after the Christchurch massacre, asking my views on the Treaty of Waitangi, which was very relevant. And I told him then during my exhaustive explanation of what I thought about the, both the treaty and the cops, I said, when the, when the communist takeover happens for real, I'll be as innocent as I am now, and you, uh, the question will be your guilt, I said to this cop. Um, we had a good two-hour chat about it, um, and which, you know, whether you'll stand with the communists or like the, and, and now we can say like the Nazi cops in Australia, or whether you'll stand with the people that presumably you joined the police to protect. And he came back, and I reminded him of that. But I didn't have, you know, I didn't have the Carl Bromley incident or the Brad Flutie incident to highlight my point at that time. But my God, if he comes back, uh, he'll, you know, <laughs> I shall be mentioning that. They, they, they really crossed a line with you. What you were, what were you trying? What was your crime? You were, you were trying to buy some beer um, without a mask or something. Well, I was trying to buy a bottle of rum for the week yeah. uh, between three people. Um, what a hideous criminal you are for I've that. Actually <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually purchased from that store before. I actually had a conversation with the manager in front of the assistant manager who called the police. That was the first time I went in, and his name is Lance Popata. And he, I said to him, I have a mask exemption. And he goes, okay, can I see it? And I said, under Section 49 of the Privacy Act, I don't have to show my personal medical information. And he looked at me and I said, no, I'm serious. I can show it. I show, I can show, it, show you on it on my phone. And he goes, no, that's all right. I can see that you're sincere and I'm going to agree that you have a mask exemption and take you on good faith. And I said, great, excellent. And he got the woman, Mihi, to serve me, who was the assistant manager that called the police on me. And... Um, that was it. She she expressed displeasure over it. And the second time I went in, she refused to serve me. So Lance got someone else to do it. And this time uh, she was there on her own and Lance was on holiday. And yeah. Point is, you were you knew your law, chapter and verse. You, you weren't, and if anybody's checked you out, as they presumably have, to find you a public enemy, that they would have found out you're a very. Um, thoughtful chap. You, you're a deep thinker about things. You express your views uh, fully, and and um, that's about it. You certainly, uh, you know, you, you, you defended yourself excellently, as one would expect a man to do. Um, you got shot for it, uh, but all you were doing was uh, exert, asserting your rights with all the legal uh, 
chapters and verses, which not many criminals would know. <laughs> and, uh, and that's about it. Uh, and and you, you knew the law better, presumably, than those guys did. Uh, and they, I guess they resented it. So they thought, well, we can't win this way, so we'll win with our, with our weapon. And that is a disgrace. I mean, I, I rather think that, well, I won't, I won't take up the time now, but I, I've got a bit of a, an idea of what we should do along the lines of the, of the English, w w presumably she was a lawyer who, who turned up at the police station in Hammersmith. And I rather think I might do that in Masterton because they've been to see me. Uh, and uh, I've had a few words with the local MP and, um, you know, very reasonably uh, asserted why he should be, you know, in due course executed, which seems like a perfectly reasonable thing to do to a genocidal child murdering uh, gangster. Um, but it would be quite good to do the same thing back to them that that English person did and lay a complaint. And you, Brad Flutie, have even more <laughs> right and possibly ability um, in, in that direction. That actually might work, I think, because I have to respond, especially if it was live on Facebook. Well, the, I mean, I, 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 do, I do do my best every single day to um, try and be less uh, full of crap uh, than I was the day before. And that's just <laughs> lots of reading, um, lots of looking at the definitions of words uh, in multiple different areas. Uh, Black, Black's Law's Dictionary is very useful to, in terms of interpreting what they mean by their relevant sections and acts. And, and then looking at the, not just the, the sections and acts as in the small context that they are, but in relation to other sections and acts. So uh, in terms of interacting with constables and, or, or police officers, it's best to refer to them as constables under the office of constable. It's good to understand or rather comprehend section 22 of the Policing Act. Um, once you realise that um, a police officer or a constable cannot act as a constable and an enforcement officer, then you can understand what they're actually allowed to do depending on what office they classify as. And so any police officer, whether they are trying to enforce things on you or be an enforcement officer, if they put themselves under the officer constable, they're only relevant in this situation if a crime has been committed. So if I haven't committed a crime, if I haven't been uh, contrary to law, not legislation, not legalese, not civil law, but law in the fact that I haven't committed uh, harm onto anyone else or injured anyone else, then a constable has no business being there interacting with me. And so if that's ascertained first, the conversation afterwards, which should be more questions than answers, in fact, all questions on your behalf, then you've got a pretty sound way out of it, unless the police officer just wants to assault you because they think they have authority over you. And that's what happened yeah. on that day. Now I heard that I heard a rumor that that the the top police officer in your town was none too impressed with the underlings. Or did I get that scrambled? Uh, so I would say that they wanted to have nothing to do with whatever charges um, that constable attempted to lay at me. Um, so to set the record straight on that article. I have never been arrested by the Whangarei police. Um, I won't say his name. I have his name now. That constable never arrested me. He unlawfully detained me. Now, the 
Whangaru is the police, and they're good, there's good sergeants and good detectives and detectives there. I have a lot of friends hey, at the station. Can't hear. They didn't even Sorry to... You there, Brad? Sorry to interrupt. Are, are you somewhere? Yeah, the, the, it seems to be very bad um, signal where you are. Is there any way you can get to a better place or location? Um, are you inside a, um, I'll just try a building somewhere? That, and if you just turn the volume down, that will be a lot better. I'll guarantee it. Are you there, Brad? Uh, if you come close to the phone, you'll be great. Is that better? Yeah, you sound good now. Yeah, we can hear you. That's great. Right. My mic must have um, crapped out. So where did I get up to? <laughs> when I cut out. Go ahead, John. The, 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 when you were talking about the, the head policeman, you, you were talking about knowing various um, various officers. Knowing there. Various, um, various officers oh, there. Now on. Now I'm doing oh, so sorry, well. Brad. You just have to now turn I'm that volume sorry, way down. You just have to turn that volume way down. Way down so you can barely hear it, and we'll see how we way go down with so that. Yeah. Bit of a contradiction. You have to, you have to it's just hard, not, not hear yeah. it, and then we can you hear you. you John. That's what you do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I have to turn it down. Oh. You hear me now? And you just bring your mouth in close to the mic, and we'll be able to hear you. Close to the mic, and we'll be able to hear you. Is that better? A bit less volume again. Yeah, but bit less volume. Sorry. Yeah, but bit less volume. Sorry. How's that? You, you're fine. Uh, it's just you're the volume fine. we're it's hearing ourselves back through your speakers. Ourselves back through your speakers. Yeah. I've got headphones on. Yeah. Try, try now. Okay. Right. Oh, sorry, John. Where was um, where was Brad up to? What were we talking about? Going into the, you were talking about going to the police station, and Brad's really filling us in on section twenty-two of the Policing Act uh, about how they can operate. I didn't know that. Ah, okay. Um, so when they they didn't actually take me into the police station, so they never arrested me. They detained me unlawfully to the car park. They treated my pepper spray injury with a bucket of water. The ambulance um, officers came in. Uh, I had a yarn with the sergeants who wanted nothing to do with the other officers' attempt to lay charges on me. I couldn't see anything he was trying to throw at me uh, because I was blind. I went off with the um, AMBO officers to the hospital. Uh, the prongs were taken out and given to me as evidence, and the police have refused to give me any details about the incident when I rung up, which is my law fight. If there are charges on me, I need to know what the details are of the data of the incident. So I have to keep ringing until I get those details. And your daughter was filming. Daughter was so she must have been upset so seeing that happen to you. Seeing that happen to you. No. <laughs> no, she thought it was funny. Um, oh, okay. She, she, she's I, I actually, heard. I heard a lot. Quite brave. Hey, Brad, it might be better to go back she's to the headphones. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I am on the headphones. That's the same thing about. Oh, oh but we're hearing yeah. ourselves come back through your phone. That's weird. Um, I'm not sure what to do. So you're back on the headphones. It must be coming out your phone as well, even though you're on the headphones. Because we can hear ourselves talking back. 
You have to turn it down so low that you can almost not hear yourself. Yeah, but if he does that while he's got the headphones on, he won't be able to hear us at all. And then others can hear you. <laughs> can you take the, head, the headphones out altogether and just, just turn the volume down and just speak into it like John does? John Ansel's doing that right now. I can barely hear, but I can be heard apparently. Yeah, loud and clear. Okay, I'll try that. I have to really strain to hear anything. How's this? You're loud. You're great. You're loud. You're great. But we're hearing That's ourselves better. back and you're fine. Yeah. We're not having any trouble hearing you. We're, we're hearing ourselves hearing come you. back through your we're phone. ourselves come back through your phone. And that we can't operate like that. <laughs> Can you hear yourselves now? I don't want to hear myself back. I don't want to hear myself back. One, one, one of, 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 of ourselves is, is, is enough. Of, of, of. <laughs> really Sorry, Brad. Um, what should we do? Maybe if you maybe if you cut off and we'll talk to Shane for a moment, go out of the the whole the podcast, come back with your headphones on because I think there's something it, it doesn't like un, being unplugged and then plugged back in again. I've had that happen with me, and people couldn't hear me at all. Do you want to try that? And we'll have a chat with Shane while you're doing that, and then just come back with the phones on. I think it was better. Yeah, here he goes. Okay, in a moment we'll be back with Shane Chafin and John Ansel. Everyone who died with COVID should be considered murdered. Early treatment has always been affected. I walked out of the hospital on the mandate day. I have my own practice and I am the only person in town treating COVID patients prior to hospitalization. I also watched the entire staff at the hospital, including in my unit, get vaccinated and then get COVID, amongst all kinds of other ailments. You have now loaded your body with millions of spike proteins and you are a ticking time bomb for cancer, blood clots, and whatever kind of ailment may come up in your body. And I'm tired of hearing people go and ask doctors, can they be treated for COVID? And their only option is a vaccine or go home or go into the hospital where you're not gonna make it out. I will be happy to treat any one of you for COVID prior going to the hospital because early treatment has always worked. I'm a member of the FLCCC Alliance, NC Physicians for Freedom and the Medical Freedom Summit. And I would, I would ask y'all to please stop choosing fear and putting masks on our kids. The vaccine is not gonna work. Early treatment has always worked and government mismanagement of patients is why people have died. And families have realized this and they are rising up and they are going to come after governments and the hospital. I was highly decorated and highly respected at New Hanover. I was the November 2020 employee of excellence and I had a job opportunity this year from the chief medical director at this hospital and I chose to walk out and stand up for what is right. So putting these masks on our kids is not gonna help, nor is vaccination, and we all need to realize that. It is out, the cat is out of the bag and people are speaking globally, including the inventor of the vaccine. Well, that doctor was speaking, and I, her name yeah. escapes me, but she was speaking directly to Dr. Fauci. I hope he's squirming in his little chair. Um, I hope, hope you're sounding a bit better now, Brad. It's, I'm sorry, I've probably given you bad information. I do that, don't I, John, sometimes? Get things wrong? Oh, I wouldn't like to say. Yeah. Like to say. Well, so um, we're up to Section 2022 20, of the Policing Act. That was fascinating, Brad, if you could fill yes. us in a bit more about that. This is good stuff. Right, so you have um, two officers that a, a police officer can occupy. Uh, if he's in the enforcement role, he's trying to enforce... Uh, civil legalese on you, which is uh, legislation that's not necessarily um, bound to law. So you have legislation that's uh, in line with law. You've got your privacy because you've got an, an alienable right to your private information. So you've got your Privacy Act. 
you've got the Crimes Act that protects you from harm. That's what the, the constable is meant to be in, basically there for, to prevent harm onto uh, his community, his or her community. And so with the enforcement role, that's your tickets and all that sort of stuff. It used to be a separate role. Uh, but now what they've done is they've merged the two, two roles together under, and they have police officers do it. But they can, if they're acting under the office of constable, they cannot be an enforcement officer because the two roles contradict each other. To be an enforcement officer, you have to enforce injury onto others, right? You are enforcing the opinions of the government through the enforcement role onto your community, which is in contradiction to what a constable is meant to do. A constable is meant to protect the community from injury. That's his role. So if you were to be pulled That's over true. or you come to a checkpoint and an officer comes over, over to you and goes, hey, how's it going? You go, hi, how can I help you? That's your first question to them interacting with you. And they go, oh, we've just uh, pulled you over here. No, incorrect. I pulled over because I thought you were in distress and you might need some help. Uh, are you a constable? Why? Yes, I am. Ah, excellent. Are you acting under the office of constable? Yes. Yes, I am. Cool. So under Section 22 of the Policing Act, you gave your oath to prevent breaches against the peace according to law. Sure. Excellent. Um, can I go? Well, no, I'd like to see a license. Sorry, I don't need one. And you establish that you're a cunt. Sorry, Brad, we're losing house. you there. Are, are, are we having trouble? Are you having trouble too where you are, John? I'm, you're, we're losing you there, oh. Brad. Are you inside a house or, a, or where? Me? Oh. No, Brad. Yeah. Can you hear me now? I can now, but you seem to go. I think it's the cell phone quality, yeah. But um, we'll we'll bear with it because it's good stuff. So you've been pulled over by a police officer. You correct him and say, "No, I stopped because I thought you were in distress." Yes. So you're basically breaking the assumption that he has authority over you right from the start, right to the very end, because he mm. doesn't have authority over you over um over you unless you've consented to that authority. Okay. Right. Now, if he's joined us as a constable under the office of constable, he has no business, no lawful right to enforce anything on you or presume to have authority over you. He's there to protect you. To uphold the period. peace. Full stop. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. These seem like technicalities. They seem land. like. Oh, yeah. You go ahead, John. These things seem like nitpicking, I suppose, from the police point of view. They're not used to people having this depth of knowledge. Uh, they're not used to being sprung. Um, that's, I guess, what makes them angry. But uh, And it does seem rather odd that a policeman has to straddle two roles, one, one as a peacekeeper and the other as an enforcer. That must make life a bit difficult. He must be, have, to, have to be pretty schizophrenic about things. Um, it, it sounds very strange that a constable can't actually enforce anything or is it the other way around um well i'm just exp i guess i'm just expressing the, the typical idiot's uh, confusion uh, of uh, no well, no it's perfectly relevant yeah. so a constable can enforce something and and that's and that's when a um, harm is being committed yeah so for example it can also be in your behavior if you're acting erratically 
then you're moving into a zone called the Summary Offences Act, where you're um, disorderly conduct, okay? If a police officer can, with the help of witnesses, prove that you have been um, behaving disorderly, then he can presume um, is going to be committed and he can do something about it. It's all about your conduct and the way that you, you present yourself and you make sure that you evidence that. They act on someone else's say-so, don't they? Um, I presume that uh, the police came to see me after the Christchurch massacre. Of course, we know that they set it up, as I reminded the constable. Oh, I don't know if he was a constable. I have to think about it. But I, you know, I said it was uh, interesting that you should come to see me because you know you guys staged the massacre with the uh, with the um, you know to, uh, as part of the Ardern agenda. And so it's interesting you come. But anyway, I said I said well. Why are you here? Oh well, somebody somebody informed us. You know, as long as some some busybody in the community who doesn't like your political views ring the police, they they from that moment on sort of treat you as a a, a criminal. Um, they treat you as somebody worthy of investigation when you haven't done anything, uh, just because some busybody says so, and that's um, that's why they visit me, and that's why they visited you because some busybody employee of the bottle shop said that you were breaking the law in some way when you weren't. And so the police seem to, they just seem to accept, um, and I suppose to an extent they have to because sometimes, you know, very often, very often uh, real crimes are committed um, and people report them and the police are required to take them seriously, but they should show you the benefit of the doubt um, when you are not. Yes. When you haven't broke, when you haven't actually caused anyone any harm, that seems to be the the crucial issue. With I was I was um, given a hundred and fifty dollar fine the other day for listening to this podcast uh, or another podcast that I was on um, with my phone slightly raised so I could hear it. I wasn't texting or anything else. I was just listening. It might have, might as well have been the radio, but. Uh, uh, he said, "Oh, there's no way I could tell, you know, whether you were, you know, using your cell phone to text, but it's a hundred and fifty dollar fine. I'd like to not pay that. Well, you shouldn't. That's so free I'm quite speech. keen to uh, quite keen to know what I need to do or say. I might have already blundered into it by perhaps entering the contract by talking mm. to him. Brad will uh, know. That might be the end of it for me. Yeah, it, it all de- it all depends on um, what you said and what he can prove that you said." Um, but yeah, in, in relation to the bottle store um, assistant manager, the worst part about what happened that has put the police in a, um, a really big bind is that had they allowed the conversation to continue to investigate the situation from both sides, they would have found out that the manager, the boss of the assistant manager, because the cashier was about to go and get his number for me on request because I knew his name. And so if the manager was to have a conversation with the police, the police would find out that I'd already shopped there twice and the manager had accepted that I had a mask exemption yeah. in person, in front of the assistant manager and two other members of their staff. So yeah. the, the fact that the police officer didn't allow the conversation to prove that it was actually the assistant manager who was misleading and committing fraud then yeah. the crime, the first crime was actually committed by her. Yeah. 
Brad, are you aware that News Hub and I think ZB, and I think it's just News Hub did the report and they're all copying it, are you aware that they're saying that the owner asked the police to have you removed? Cheech Mahuan. Don't know. But they, they said owner. So, so Cheech Mahuan is the owner, and I've never had any interaction with Cheech Mahuan. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, they, they didn't mention the name. They just said the owner. I wonder if they got it uh, got mixed up between the owner and the manager and the assistant manager. Oh, they'll Maybe just they be lying and, 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 and hoping that nobody does anything about it and chases it right. up. But we've already found right. his number, and I plan to ring him and, and have it recorded. Mm, good. Good. And how long do you think it'll take before you'll be able to um, uh, take some action against the police? If you, if are you going to take action? Yes, I, I, I'm definitely going to take some action. I'm going to offer them uh, a remedy because it's the honourable thing to do, uh, mm. and I'm going to offer them um, two pathways that they can go down to see um, to um, generate either one of one of two remedies. One one remedy that is, uh, um, I guess, a bit soft if they if they meet my requirements for apology and. Um, mm. and and, and then there's, a, a, I guess, a pathway in where the remedy is probably a lot harsher because they've refused to acquiesce to the, to the easy, easier way, where I allow them to deal with it internally, so long as they provide information on how they've deal, dealt with it internally. What does the law say that they are allowed to do to you? They have wounded you um, uh, twice. Were you aggressive? Or four times. Well, we saw it was sort of pillow fighting, really, wasn't no, it? Really? Inside the store, we didn't see that. Um, they're saying that you were aggressive, acting aggressive, aggressively. Well, I, can I don't. I can't imagine you acting aggressively. <laughs> well, you were, you were, you were, but you were acting aggressively um, in self-defence, asserting is not in a quite manly law. fashion. And there was, you know, there's quite a lot of there's a bit of kickboxing and things, but they were doing more to you than you were doing to them. Well, that was self-defense. They kicked him in yeah. the nuts and kneed him in the nuts. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? That's well, right. Brad did what he was. Brad did what a bloke Real would men do, do when a yeah. whole gang of guys are attacking him. That's yeah. what you do. I'd like to think I did. I don't know if I'm as blokey yeah, as you, Brad. <laughs> even that, even if it was, um, even if they actually. Th- oh, hang on, Brad. You muted yourself. Yeah, go ahead, Brad. Try now. Say that again, Brad. You muted yourself accidentally. Uh, uh, go ahead. Even though, even if they felt they had a uh, legal, um, a legal basis to use force on me, uh, they still breached Section sixty-two of the Crimes Act, nineteen sixty-one, which is mm. excessive force. So, mm. I mean, the worst part about the my, I mean, I guess my, my um, angle of laying charges on them is if I the, the assistant manager has already agreed in a recorded phone call to provide the CCTV um, footage from inside the store and if they have any from the outside of the store that's ah, that'll be good. Recorded. she knows she's been recorded yeah. uh, so I haven't broken any privacy laws uh, and what, what it will show is that the police officers enter the store, um, I know exactly what they say to the cashier as soon as they walk in, they go, is this him? Not would you like us to act on your behalf? So they broke protocol, they didn't use the right words. Uh, and then they turn to me and, and the um, the English cop says, um, please leave the store. 
And I said, well, hang on a sec. I haven't ascertained uh, who you are. Are you a constable? And he said, yes, I am. Okay, cool. Under the office of constable. Yes. Okay, cool. What's your name, constable? And he goes, I'm not doing this with you now. Can you please leave the store? And I was like, hang on a sec. I haven't classified, who, I haven't ascertained who you are. I'm not leaving the store until you tell me that you're acting under the office of constable. And he goes, that's it, you're under arrest. And I asked, what am I oh, under arrest for? Ridiculous. And, go, and the other one says, disorderly conduct. And I said, how am I being disorderly by asking you questions? And that's when he grabbed me. So I haven't, this is a, a poor application of the Summary Offences Act. It's assuming that he has authority over me when I have not said no, nor have I um, done anything wrong in, in the conversation. In fact, he's committed a crime because he's acted like an enforcement officer after jaundicing himself to the Office of Constable, which means he can't make the first harmful act. He has to wait for me to be aggressive. Now, it seems like the sergeant is just saying that the CCTV is aggressive and hoping that I don't secure it. But mm -hmm. the thing is, is I've already secured it because I've got um, the acquiescence of the assistant manager, who's also an offender, um, to saying, yes, she will provide the CCTV footage. So even if they refuse to, a court will will make them hmm. when I provide the evidence that they acquiesce to it. Is so that a subpoena? Is that what they call it? Yeah, no subpoena. I guess it all hmm. I guess it all comes down to, you know, it's all very well knowing the law inside out and backwards, but if the judges don't uphold the law, as seems to be the case in communist takeovers, as I keep yeah. mentioning, um, it's it's rather a moot point, isn't it? If we are at a point in history where no, probably um, there are more New Zealanders that know the law, people that have been studying these things that you know, Brad, uh, than ever before. But if the bullies want to be bullies, they've got more bully power. They they get to win. That's that's the unfairness of it. I just thought there might well be the remedy of exposing these bastards in on Facebook. On live on Facebook, much the same way as the American, sorry, the English lady did at Hammersmith, uh, make a complaint, not least about the police, as it turns out now, but I was thinking about, you know, the complaint of genocide, um, treason, and all those other things that the lady rather eloquently put to that uh, slouchy constable or whatever he was in Hammersmith. I've got to use that word constable clearly. Must never say what a silly constable. I've <laughs> I used to say that to someone. What a silly constable. But um, but um, no, it's it's that might be something that works because it's a formal process. It's very deep and rich in evidence. You know, 175 pages. That woman Anna de Bussere, whatever her name was, the very excellent English lawyer. Uh, not the same one, I don't think, that was in Hammersmith Police Station. but Or maybe it was. But um, you put the case to them and you say, you are the police, you are our employees, we are making a complaint. It might, it, it could just be a complaint. Sometimes it's a complaint of burglary or grievous bodily harm. In this case, it's a complaint of genocide. Um, but it's the same principle. You are required to investigate our complaint, especially this one, which has 175 very tightly typed pages of extremely dastardly crimes perpetrated by virtually the whole of the um, 
political and uh, uh, judicial and all the other elites and uh, medical and all the rest of it. It's never, there's never been a worse crime in human history. Uh, and we would respectfully like you to investigate it, please. What do they do at that point? And you can, of course, you can then uh, layer in some of the some of the uh, some of the crimes are, are, are by the police themselves, but they are required to investigate those as well. I mean, that strikes me as a very profitable strategy that 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 those people in the UK are embarking on. We could do it with perhaps with a little more sense of theatre as well and a bit more humour. Um, but it seems to me mm -hmm. that's what we could do, uh, and that would be exposed to the full glare of publicity live on whatever platform, um, so at least the public would be aware. The team of five million, should it be done with, with sufficient panache, um, the team of five million would know what we know, which is my, my idea of a strategy all along, because at the moment not enough of the team of five million, so-called, know what we know. We are unusually curious types. I mean, I, th I think there are two types of tribe, two types of people at the moment, the whys and the how highs. In other words, when the government says jump, we say why, closely followed by no, often, but <laughs> there's another class of person that says how high. And we need to get those how highs to be a bit more wise, as it were. Uh, and we can do that by informing and the government them. says till you die and they're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, everything's rhymes, rhymes in the end. But history rhymes as well. And this, we, we are now in 1930 Germany, uh, and we don't want to be there. And the more people are informed, if they were informed in 1930 in Germany a bit better than they were, maybe, maybe Hitler wouldn't have got so far. If we could get our people informed um, to the extent that we are, that we are the 30%, who are not hypnotizable. I guess the 30% who are hypnotized can't be reasoned with because you can't tell someone who's hypnotized that they're hypnotized, but there's the other 40%. So we need to win them over to, to make 70%. That should make life a bit difficult for the bullies, especially if we keep calling them communist bullies and genocidal uh, child murderers every, everywhere they go all the time and, and keep positing, you know, which form of execution do you think you should have? We've now discovered a more painful um, lethal injection. We've had people worried that lethal injection might be too painless, um, but apparently there is quite a painful one. So you just keep, if we just did that to the policy, to all those people all the time, um, to let them know the severity and that that's the way wars pan out. Hmm. They have and, no and, fear. They need to more, have some fear. Well, they don't the at the moment because they've got right. all these limperists going on about freedom, freedom. So the other side just goes, selfish, yeah, I, selfish. John, what we should I be doing is raging that. about the deaths of children. But I think that if we can't get our freedom, there's no way we can help the children. If we're of not Of course, free, freedom is, the, is, is an overarching necessity, mm. but it's not a strategy that works uh, mm. anywhere near as well as if everybody was talking about the murder of children or the murder of do everyone. You reckon, the, do you think, do you think um, more people would rather live in the United States than they would in China? more international people. I think that the answer to this um, problem that we're having in terms of growing our consistency, uh, our constituency, is that they don't know anything else other than being in the communist jurisdiction that they're in. Um, this country doesn't actually have a, a, a free jurisdiction. 
it, it's it's been ever since um, oh, the days after World War Two. It's just been tending towards more and more neoliberalism, um, just insanity. Um, and it intensified from 1984 and just kept intensifying and intensifying. And uh, we didn't certainly. I, I've got to. I've, I've got to have a bit of a rethink about the 80s. I was talking about with Lindsay Perigo about this. He 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 also thought that we might have to. You know, I think this is a time when lots of people are, are changing their minds about a lot of things. Um, on receipt of new information, and and I have to confess that I was not really thinking about globalism back then. Mm. Uh, I was thinking about okay, the you know favouring the customer seems like a good idea, better than favouring the producer, and all of that stuff. I thought seemed seemed rather sensible. Now. Uh, on receipt of the new information about the sort of the whole global global agenda and the new world order, which seemed rather fanciful to me back then, all of that stuff, um, conspiracy theories, blah, blah, blah. Um, I wasn't buying into it. Uh, David Icke, people like that seemed a bit nutty to me. All of them, almost without exception, are being proven to have been correct all along. And you know that's that's what's happening. You know, scales are falling, pennies are dropping all over the place. We just have to make more of them drop with more people. Would that be enough to make them stop if they know that they can't go anywhere any of the time because people know that they are uh, not even homicidal but genocidal and that everything they say is a lie? If you get too donkey deep into communism. That doesn't seem to matter, ask, ask the Chinese or the East Germans, but we're not quite there yet. Is there some hope that if we ramped up the, the knowledge, uh, we could stop before we get there? Yeah, I would just say that a, a freer jurisdiction is better than one that is just tending towards total control. I mean, these people have no idea how many billions of dollars they're sending these tech companies by just giving up their data without even asking for any compensation. It, it, it really baffles me watching the amount of people that religiously use those sign-in scanners and not realizing how much intangible value and inflation they are adding to the market by just giving their data for free for them to turn it into um, billions and billions of dollars. I mean, they're just literally... Don't, people don't realize... Um, uh, 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 an analysis mind map of people's psychological habits. And Damien Dement is pointing out that uh, New Zealand, once again, is the international test case, test basket case, for ID data centres, which are being built with huge concrete footprints, apparently, all over the place in New Zealand. We're getting visits from the really top, top people from all these corporatist megaliths or mega corporations, very, very keen to help us set up this tracking to show how New Zealanders can be monitored all of the time, what they eat, what they, pretty much what they think, where they are, um, what they buy, how they buy, whether they're going to be able to buy. <laughs> this is the issue. Um, this is happening in real time, apparently, right, right here, right now, as the world leader. 
in capitulation, uh, the handing over of ourselves, basically. And uh, that's the that's even perhaps on a par for frighteningness with with the murders that are you know not everybody is being murdered. At least they're not the time bombs in the blood tunnels are not going off everywhere all the time. Some of them are, but we're all about to lose all of our freedoms all of the time. It seems as a result of this I digital ID. There are, I just can't believe that there is that many parents that are running their kids up to get them a shot for something that maybe delivers treatment, you know, maybe for something that, that, that kids hardly ever get. Yeah. Mm. Very close to never get sick from these parents. Mm. Like what are, have they even basically asked Have they asked the basic question, Hey, what's in this? And does my child actually need it? And was there a news item early on saying that my child that my children are relatively safe from COVID? I mean, mm. they, these people have been told, and when you basically two forms of information that contradicts itself from the government for years, and here they are running their precious children down. Our future. It's it, it, these people are committing um, oh, just the worst. It's it's child mm. abuse. It's child abuse. Well, it's... Not informing yourself so you can make sure that your kid has the opportunity to have a healthy life and make um, good choices is, is child abuse. It, it's, it's shocking. And the government influencing it's that in the it? direction, it's just... It's, it's, and it's, it's a perfect storm because the children also... I mean, I've got, you know, the good people that we hang out with, we like to think we're the goodies. Um, good parents, they are really fighting hard to make sure that their kids, their teenagers... Um, in the first instance, that they didn't get vaccinated. The teenagers are pushing back, and, and I've got a friend down the road, and she and her husband are beside themselves because the 14-year-old is saying, look, none of my, nothing's happened to any of my friends, and I, I, I want to be able to play rugby and all these things and have my life, and um, I want to get vaxxed, and they, they don't know what to say or do. I have another friend that, that the husband slammed his fist on the table and said, and these kids were 19 and 20, these ones, um, but they listened when he said, it's not your decision. And he said it like that. And they thought, oh, you know, we thought it was. You know, they'd been down in, in university and they've come home for the holidays and they rather thought they might like to get vaxxed. They're aware of all the issues, but he said, we're going to have to look after you. We're the ones who are going to have to wheel you around in a wheelchair and, uh, you know, for the rest of your lives if you get some of these things, which is a whole long list of them and all this. He just went on and on like that. He had an effect. By throwing a tantrum, by using emotional blackmail, he's he's warded off the, um, the vaccine of his 19 and 20-year-old. So it almost requires that, that kind of campaign. So that there's, there's the parents who are uninformed who just let them do it or even recommend it, as the parents have of some of these. There's about 21 teenagers that have died, it seems, talking to the heads of the deaths team and this sort of thing, of the citizens' journalists, um, uh, citizen investigators. Um, you know, those parents are extre experiencing extreme remorse. But there's, you know, so there's the the weak parents who actually talk the kids into it, then there's the really strong parents whose kids push back 
in ways that the parents don't seem to be able to counter or some of them get it, get, get it done. I mean, there was a t- terrible case um, uh, where one of the protesters that was coming down to a protest, her, and she'd been, in other words, she was steeped in all the reasons why her kids shouldn't get vaxxed. One of them did it behind her back and died. Um, so, you know, she couldn't have done more. But uh, you know, it's, it's happening. It's coming at it, it's coming at us from all directions, not least the state um, bullshitting. You could just get across Even that the great quite, doctors of the world are saying that these things are terrible, whereas the state doctors of New Zealand, uh, who haven't seen a patient in twenty five years, in the case of Bloomfield, um, we need to say, well, who who do you believe? Do you believe the state bribed state? brainwashed state doctors of New Zealand or do you believe the great doctors of the world who say these things are like having little time bombs in your blood tunnels that can go off at any time and you're being genetically modified, all that stuff. But um, we're not getting it out there enough or if we are, they're not listening. So we need to be a bit more in your face about it. I'm just designing something sitting here that I hope will have that effect because if we don't jolt, if we just do it nicely, well, you know, we, we can expect more of the same. I think we have to, dare I say it, the, the slightly more masculine approach uh, might be required to um, never mind the euphemisms, just get straight to the point and do it very brutally. Uh, people might might get sufficient jolt to change. I think it's. I think one of the um, the most hideous things that they've done is that they've coerced this, this, this. Let's call it what it is. This is this is a political uh, opinion game, and and it's a war really to bring yeah. this into the realm of the kids. Yeah, it, it do, and it doesn't matter whether you're a teenager or not. If you if you're technically under the authority of your parents, um, government mandates in terms of medical intervention should should not be made. Um, legislation or coerce through onto children that they need to be able to make the decisions themselves and, and we should be calling labor out on this bullshit because they're the ones that are supposed to be behind policy that reinforces the children's right to choose i mean it's the it's the it's the liberal lefties and the greenies who are advocating for 16 year olds to have the right to vote uh, and they they want younger people to have more 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 sovereignty and more autonomy, and I agree with that. We're we're like that with our daughter, um, but what they've done is they've essentially taken the choice away from the kids and um, ha- made them have to make difficult dis- decisions, like um, you know. Uh, you're sounding like Robert Kennedy again, Brad. You're sounding like kind of broken up. Sorry. <laughs> It's funny because he was doing that was happening to me and I couldn't hear Brad and you could and now I can hear Brad fine and you can't so uh, oh, I can me. hear Brad but he's a bit oh, that's strange yeah Brad's just a problem isn't he Brad 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 keep, is just a big, big bloody problem to everyone aren't you Brad <laughs> yeah what are the police what are they going to do with you mate <laughs> I, I would like to say something about the children and vaccination because we're saying that they need to have more autonomy and more sovereignty over their decision-making, but they're at the same time being highly propagandized inside uh, government institutions. Mm. And the one that comes to mind is school. 
as I've oh, posted okay. recently, a concerned parent sent me an email. And in that email was the, the uh, principal of Taroa Area School responding, saying that, yes, uh, some harm would be done to some people, but more people would be served by the vaccine than those injured. And he thought that outweighed the risk of COVID. But when we look at what the children are reporting out of that school, and my kids are in that school as well, they're saying that the teachers were telling them that the vaccine was completely safe and that everyone should get it. So if we're giving them some autonomy to make decisions, we need to understand that uh, for hours each day, they may be being propagandized by a school who says one mm-hmm. thing to a parent in private and another thing to the children in public. So, uh, yep. yeah, yeah, I've heard and recordings of kids we, being we brainwashed like our, that. Our, that's why we don't send our kids to um, school. Uh, I mean, if it's not going to keep it based in, in evidence and they're going to be teaching opinions in school without allowing the other side to have an equal standing, then they definitely work for the government and they do not serve the purposes of education and the pursuit of truth. And so it's not a school anymore. It's not empowering your children trying to turn them into a ideology and that does not belong in any educational um, place, uh, in any place of education. It doesn't belong there. Okay? That, the, the, they're still under our roof. They, they are going to school to be empowered in education, not people's ideological dogma. No. I, I think that peop- we have to put pressure if we actually want to win I look at you know how to win. It's like Peter Blake wanted to win the America's Cup. What a preposterous idea! But he he had a saying, you know, will it make the boat go faster? Everything that his team did had to answer that question. It had to make the boat go faster. Well, we need to we need to get our strategy sorted out. Uh, we need first of all a goal, and we we're just sort of floundering around. I think, generally speaking, uh, doing heroic work in many cases, but we don't seem to be focused on the goal of making uh, doing, in in this case, it's will it make the bitch go faster, go sooner, I think, (laughs) or stop, stop sooner, something like that. Um, It's, it's, we've got to all start to focus on the result that we want and how to get it. And it seems to me that we are more likely to get it by putting maximum pressure, not necessarily just or on the or on the people at the top, that might be a harder win. But the people at the bottom who are doing the jabbing, the stabbing, as I call it, if they knew that they are committing a crime against humanity as measured by some pretty substantial law, um, and hearing that coming out of the mouth of that eminent English lawyer was really quite sobering uh it would have been if i was a if i was a business owner or a doctor uh going along with this stuff and she is talking rather like i do but in a more respectful respectable sounding way with a great deal more um eminence behind her she was talking along the same lines that you know if you are injecting children and, and one of them dies, you are guilty of a crime uh, against humanity, especially if you do enough of it, that would have that, that would that would bring that would that would cause you to grind to a halt, I would think. 
while you while you process that information and you might ask around and you know the others might be getting the same information so if we could stop it at the bottom uh, ideally at the top but if you stop it at the bottom nothing's going to get done is it uh, so that might be a strategy something like that while apply, mm -hmm. applying pressure at the top as well as much as we can but at the bottom is where people are more more likely to change i think they're they're good people they're just you know they're just told what to do and they they're the how highs Jacinda says you jump they say how high yes right we'll wear the mask all day we'll infect ourselves with carbon dioxide even though we're supposed to stand for uh, you know objecting to an overheating carbon dioxide world and it just doesn't matter they just as if Jacinda says so they do it and this would be giving them the information that well she's you know, she's going to be executed first, but you'll be next if you keep going like this. You know, if we could get them to grind to a halt, then she can't really do anything. That's my little plan, I anyway. The, I think the a lot of people don't realise that the government has a secret that it really, really doesn't want popularised. Not many people are aware of this secret, um, but it's becoming more common knowledge, especially as of late, that the government actually has to continually get a mandate to govern every single year uh, because it's not actually a lawful state. It's a corporation that requires a mandate from three visits done every single year um, and hidden by celebrations that are meant to mean something in relation to the mandate to govern over this country. It's actually quite interesting. I, I know uh, that you uh, I, say that, and, and I, I think it's um, visits to various Māori institutions, uh, Ratana, uh, you mm -hmm. tell me, the other two. I heard you say it today on something. Kingitanga, Kingitanga, and the place where the uh, agreement was forged between um, those who had the rights of discovery who they decided and designated as Māori. And where does that come up? Obviously, this is an area where you and I haven't always seen eye to eye in the past. Um, I, I hear a lot of this, and I hear a lot about the Hei Whakaputanga, which I know is the Declaration of Independence, where there's a Clause 3, which they never honoured, which seems to... No one seems to talk about that. They didn't meet to make laws as they had pledged to do. They preferred to make wars. Um, so that's the little problem there. But what what is this this meeting at? You know the the, Ratan, the, the those three. Where, where is that enshrined anywhere? Obviously, you know that it is, but I do, I didn't know that. Mm, so basically what it is, is it's a contractual agreement because essentially oh. the corporation doesn't actually own any of this land and it doesn't have any um, governance rights um, unless it's by consent. So what the government does every year is it goes and forges a contract between the um, Māori, and that's quotations, um, or the iwi representatives to use their mandate to govern, which is the Te Whakaputanga. And how do we know this? We know this because of people within the iwi 
representatives who leaked the information. In fact, even the police know this. They do. Can you see? Absolutely. Can you see why someone like me, with this deep, uh, deep uh, racism that I'm supposed to have for sort of standing up for um, the other side of the equation? No, I'm not. No, thank you for that. It's terrible. We can't hate each other now, Brad, because we, we've we've met and we. <laughs> Brad and I used you to fight as well. We, we kind of recognise some sort of humanity in each other. I can't awfully, fight with them anymore. Yeah. It's awfully inconvenient no. when you when you <clears throat> used to arguing. But mm. I, 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 you know, <laughs> That's I, one I, of I think, the reasons why they're terrified yeah, of me. I think is because I know they bullshit. don't want you getting I know together. Joe Trinder's bullshit. I know all of their crap. I listen to them yeah. and I listen to you. And I realized that one side was told one thing, one side was told the other, yeah. and only yeah. pieces of each story are true, and both of you are actually all on yes. the same side. I think there's know. a wonderful opportunity if we survive all this that's going on, which has to be achieved first, but for a complete, for an actual harmonization in all sorts of ways of the, of the people as opposed to the the government types who can really need to be uh, flushed away. Uh, it needs to be a whole political revolution, a new entity that doesn't start life with the intention of getting to 5%. You know, it's or we, another small party. No, we need a major, a major party that room is made for but by sweeping away all of the others. Uh, an electrifying vision is put to the people uh, along these lines that... Uh, a major, major crime has been perpetrated by these people, the whole political class, the judicial, everyone else, the academics and all the lot. And you could get some traction with that, I think. It has to be done with a sort of Trumpian audacity. That's something we could borrow from Trump. Uh, the, just the audacity of thinking you can be president from a standing start. Well, that's what has to happen here. Somehow, yes. somehow there needs to be a rising and you don't you don't say you don't base it on what's possible according to the past because the past is another country it's another very foreign country compared with what it you know what what we need to be um and then um you know pim bird said to me pim is another person that i used to squabble with um he, he rather liked um uh, me standing up to the chief government whip, who happens to be my MP, and he quite liked that. Uh, but and so we got to know each other quite well. And he says, um, in fact, he might be here. I, I don't know whether he's responded, Grant. Um, I did give him an invite, um, but but he he you know he says to me, and I went to see him in Murapara, the vaccine hesitancy capital of the universe, um, created in part by him and 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 the wonderful doctor there, um, but. You know, he's been kicked out of his marae, his church, which he was about to be a minister of, and he's the senior komatua at the marae, mm-hmm. um, the school which he founded and is the principal of, so naturally we met at the school <laughs> both times. Um, the Maori party he's in, in, out of sorts with, but he was one of the founders and also the president for a while. All of these things. Um, but he said to me, he said, I love, uh, I love the second verse of the national anthem. And I said, the English one. And I said, oh, I haven't heard that for a while. What do you, which one? Oh, men of every creed and race gathered here, gather here before our face, uh, asking thee to bless this place. God defend our free land. 
And I remember the next bit, which I actually thought was another verse, but it's the second part of that verse, uh, worth saying uh, worth saying at the same time, um, from dissension, envy, hate, and corruption, guard our state, make our country good and great. Uh, God defend New Zealand. But he, he was saying, you know, we've got to have unity. We've got to have unity. We've got to have democracy. Um, we've got to forget about the past, you know. Well, of course, this is music to my ears. I, uh, it's all I've ever really wanted. But, um, you know, maybe there is a, a chance because the people here, but I was in a Zoom call. It's rather ironic that I, I, I um, iwi kiwi billboard designer, uh, Treaty Gate blog man, am in a meeting with 15 Māori and me. Uh, it's almost surreal um, given what, what I'm held to be. Uh, but I mean, I'm listening, and it's a zooey, you know, a Zoom hui. Um, and but they're rather looking at a, you know, they're, they're looking at new part. People are looking at new parties all over the place, thinking about new parties. But their their idea, I think, was a sort of a, a Christian one, a, a based on sort of Christian and Maori uh, ways of doing things, which is one creed and one race, as I pointed out. So I, I, I was trying to make the point that we we've really got to. Uh, Try to work as a as a whole. Um, you know, I, I said I'm 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 part of the the 85 percent who are not Maori, and I am part of the 63 percent. Last time I checked, who are not Christian. I've got a, a good deal of respect for both, but um, I don't happen to be Maori. I don't happen to be Christian. I do believe in a spiritual realm, but not an organised church. So, you know, it, it, we we can't have another. It's not going to work. A party based on you know one creed and one race, um, and there's various other parties being talked about as well. But always it's informed by the, the personal uh, desires or prejudices or whatever you call of the of the people doing the thinking. But if it's if it's you know groups of any kind that are not that are not the whole, I don't think it's I don't think that's going to be the the new way that brings us together and ensures our, uh, a peaceful nation based on honesty and um, uh, and, fr- and, and actual freedom. What, what, what do you think? Because I, I hear a lot of Maori groups that I'm, you know, trying to get on with now or, uh, and enjoying getting on with, um, but they're still talking about these these things from the past, and I happen to know a lot of other information from the past if we want to get into that squabble, but it, it's a shame that we have to. Um, it would be better to use this time to try to forge a, a proper win-win. I'll shut up in a second. I can hear myself droning on. But, you know, a proper win-win is not a win-win according to me or a win-win according to you. It's a win-win that's actually a win-win that, we want the other people that are not us to be happy as well. And I think if we, that sounds almost naive, but you, you could pull that off if there was enough, if there was enough goodwill. Oh, I, I, I we can, absolutely. I believe we can. I think it's encompassed quite simply and we, we always had aligned values, uh, whether it was Pākehā or this term that, um, that uh, uh, hapu, Tangata Whenua keep foolishly bannering themselves under Māori. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not actually known as Māori. We, um, we identified by our community groups, our hapu groups. So, yeah. for example, uh, if, my, if I was to represent myself as 
um, what people know as Māori, I would be saying I'm uh, na ariki. So uh, the, the, the thing that we have in common that actually unites us and always has, it's just been hidden from us, is our values. Um, yeah. it, the reality is, is that uh, someone told quite a lot of Māori that it was a good idea to act like victims. And, and that group is the group who are sort of aligned with um, those who like slavery because we have Māori uh, on, uh, on, on this side of the, the ground that basically just enslave their own people and, and rip them off and, um, and they're, they're charlatans, they're scammers. Hone Harawira is one that um, comes to mind. But yeah. they all play this game and where they basically rip their own people off. There is that on both sides. Nobody denies that. And so what unites us, the, the people pursuing the good and the true, is actually values. And I've actually found four values. It's probably five, but four for now that we, we all agree with. Um, and, and many komatu and tomata would agree that these values cannot, have, cannot be subverted, meaning that they have equal mana. You cannot takahi on the mana of one of these values to raise up the mana of another. That's, that's tikanga. That's natural law. You can't do that. Yet Hone Harawira does that all the time. So an example of these values, tinaranga uh, tiratanga, which is your individual sovereignty. Turanga waiwai, your self-determination, the right to stand where you are and, 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 and pursue your, your, your truth. Manakitanga, um, which is collective support, which is um, what everyone's assuming the COVID response is. It's an it's a, it's a example of collective support but really it's the example of someone's idea of collective support because what we have to do to ascertain whether something is uh, collectively supportive is we have to have a difficult discussion between those who disagree on which way we should go that's um, where you get to tinauranga tiratanga you're not disrespecting other people's views on the matter when you're um, putting in policy that affects the collective so we have these values that we that we all um, acknowledge as being important. What people are convincing other people to do is to takahi the mana of other values to to raise up the value of of, of the values that they deem important for now. Which komata komatu and tomata would viscerally, um, viscerally disagree with because that's a breach of tikanga. So these people that are proclaiming to be um, iwi leaders and, and people who understand tikanga, they're full of it. They're complete nonsense. And so there's the commonality right there. There are those who would mislead to commit slavery on both sides, and there are those who are just trying to find the right way forward. And we uh, don't mind being offended. We don't mind being offensive at times, so, so long as we are earnestly pursuing what could be true. That's not happening from the other side. Quite, they are desperately doing their best to hide their actions. They contradict themselves all the time, and it's not race based. They are lacking values. They are moral relativists. They oh, assume that's right. that that's uh, right. values it, can that's... be misused and, and trampled on. Yeah, that's the two tribes. You see, that that's the two sense. tribes we've got going on: is the ethical and the unethical, or the um, those yeah. who are prepared to go along those who are prepared to yeah. go along with what uh is effectively a genocide for example 
the people who are prepared to go along, these are the people who would have kicked Anne, Anne Frank's door in, many of them. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, that's the divide in New Zealand. I think it's between the 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 honest and the dishonest, not the black and the white, or the, you know the not a gender thing, not a not a race thing. It's an ethical thing, and that's where I was able to make common bond with Pim, for example, and was delighted to do so um, because we've got the same sort of moral compass, and we have paid a price for that. Um, in oh, there's the there's the this is Little Martinborough, sixteen hundred people, another siren. Like it's happening all the time in this little place. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but, uh, I heard, I heard yeah, so it's that, that's the great thing about what's happening now is that the divide that the well, I started with the Fabian socialists, the the, the national socialists, then then um, moved ahead with, and now the international socialists. Um, the divide and conquer, the eugenics. But the divide thing is not working quite so well for them uh, when we can have discussions like this, Brad, that are brought about by what they're doing, trying to divide us, uh, and by and creating an apartheid state in, in a medical sense. Um, but suddenly people who have never really agreed before because we've never been in the same place before um, I've been talking at Parliament uh, at a, a Maori rally against communism where I was talking to people in gang patches and lots of tattoos and uh, a most unlikely group that the likes of me would be uh, addressing. But that's what's happening at the moment and that's the opportunity. As long as we can overcome the the elite class, which is by no means simple, but we, we could reforge uh, a true a true United Nation where we um, paid attention to each other's requirements or desires in a genuine fashion rather than a combative fashion. And that would include, you know, uh, Maori paying attention to the needs of of uh, the Pākehā who are feeling increasingly alienated, I would suggest as well. I'd like to throw that in. Um, and that should be possible. I, I said to Pim, I said, the test of our relationship is not how well we get on against the common foe. It must surely be how, how we get on trying to resolve with new goodwill the issues that we disagreed on. And... You know, we, we haven't tackled that yet, but we should, and, you know, you and I. Uh, and and th these, these are relatively trivial compared with the deaths of children. <laughs> and, and so we ought to be able to, you know, hammer out a workable solution. Sorry uh, to interrupt, John. Uh, we're yeah. about to be cut off. If uh, anyone would like to call back, I'm happy to, to have people, if they want to um, carry on, carry 